Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. My name's Rob Woods and this is a show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and maybe a nudge of inspiration to help you raise more money and enjoy your job, especially during the pandemic. And if you're exploring ways to reach new audiences or to better engage your existing audience, and you've not yet tried Facebook Lives, I think you're going to find today's episode really helpful. I recently conducted an interview with an experienced fundraiser named Laura Crowdace, who currently works at Sirico. Through the hundreds of hours that Laura has spent mentoring fundraisers during the pandemic, one of the techniques that she's found to be especially effective has been to use Facebook Lives to engage and inspire. Whether you're already doing Facebook Lives, or you're not, and you'd like some examples of what's possible, I think you're going to find this interview really helpful. Laura Crowdace, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Rob. How are you doing? Very well indeed. Welcome to the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. Thank you ever so much for making time to chat to us. I've had the good fortune to know you for quite a few years now. We've had various really interesting conversations. I always leave conversations with you feeling more upbeat, more positive uh, and energised about what we do in our sector and I've for a while wanted for our listeners to be able to to get the benefit of your wisdom and your advice. Just before I start to pick your brains uh, for a particular tactic that could help charities, especially during these strange times we live in, let me get the the context right. You work for Sirico now. I know you've got a, a long career working for various size of charity but right now you work for Sirico which is part of Salesforce what's your role there so yeah I've worked with nonprofits or in nonprofits as a fundraiser uh, for many years close to 14 years um, and now I work for an organization as you rightly mentioned called Sirico we're part of Salesforce we're a Salesforce partner and my job is I'm their technology impact evangelist uh, best job title I've ever had apart from being mum but essentially what I do is I work with nonprofits to work out how they are going to accelerate change within their organization to create social good. Um, and we use technology to do that. So we go into organizations, work with them, work out what they're going to do and how they want to you know, reach a goal in two years of helping an extra 10 million people, for example, um, and provide the technology to do that. Mm. Wow. Really amazing stuff but uh, in the context of the pandemic and it, and how it's uh, just changed the rules and, and the context in which all charities have to operate it, it's uh, got it's such interesting and needed stuff in terms of today's conversation i wanted to particularly focus on facebook lives because uh, you and i chatted the other day and i know that there's a various organizations you've helped in the last couple of years that have quite deliberately found a way to change their strategy and used Facebook Lives as part of how they've done that. One thing I really wanted the listener to understand is not only have you got those 14 years of experience really at the front line doing all kinds of interesting fundraising and, and doing it very successfully, but the other thing I've always admired about you is this mentoring energy you've put in. I think from our conversation the other day, you mentioned some staggering numbers. In the last eight years since you've been really proactively offering to mentor fundraisers in organizations, 
it's, it's just extraordinary. You, you've um, helped more than 350 people, fundraisers and chief execs in, in different sizes of organisations, more than 10 countries. And you've done it all for free because you just love helping people. So number one, I want to acknowledge you for that because it's, it's such a, a difference you've made just all over the place, sending these ripples of help, encouragement and, and you know, simply smart tactics and so on. If we were today focusing on Facebook Lives as a particular tactic, I mean, I think many of our listeners, they won't necessarily have delivered one, but many of them will have attended one. But for people who have heard the term, but they've not taken part in on the receiving end of a Facebook Live, what is it? Sure. So a Facebook Live is when you broadcast yourself or whatever you're doing live through Facebook through video. So it's like a live broadcast through your phone or your laptop or probably your tablet if you were to use that um, to reach everyone that follows your page. And the really exciting thing about Facebook Lives is that it has the highest level of participation because the algorithm is different for a Facebook Live than just posting content on your Facebook account. When you go live on Instagram or Facebook, um, they're the same uh, organization now. You, If you follow, for example, if I was following UNICEF UK or NSPCC, I would get a notification to say NSPCC is now going live um, because I follow them. And 100% of your audience, um, unless they change the algorithm in the last six months, gets a notification absolutely on Instagram. That is the case. And I think it is um, still the case for Facebook. So that is what a Facebook Live is. Thank you very much. And for the last 18 months since I've been talking to charities that have been needing to find ways to change their strategy during the pandemic, I know of several that have been brave and creative and tried it out and made it work. And I'm also sensing that even if the world becomes a little more normal uh, in the second half of 2021 and beyond, the reality is still there's massive benefits for us being just more savvy nowadays in terms of these kinds of channels that can help more of our beneficiaries, but also connect with more people who could care about our cause. And for that reason, I don't see this going away anytime soon as a really valuable thing that many charities should at least explore and try out to see if it works. To help us see the potential, could you give us one example of one of the non-profits you did mentor in the last couple of years and how they managed to dip their toe in the water and how it helped them? Yeah, sure. So I've mentored quite a lot of nonprofits um, and a lot of fundraisers in Facebook Live. I've never worked directly at Facebook. Um, so it was really me learning alongside uh, fundraisers. And the idea came about for this. Um, I just want to share this story. In lockdown, when everyone was at home and you could only go out for one hour a day, um, I was thinking about things that I was going to catch up watching on my laptop on YouTube. And I have always said that um, people love to go behind the curtain, whether you're a Harry Potter fan, like my boys are, well, my youngest son is, he's 10. My 14 year old son is no longer like, he's way too cool for that. But um, there's always beauty in seeing behind the scenes. And um 
I'm a real fan of the brand Patagonia. And I thought in lockdown, I'm going to watch some of their behind the scenes videos of how things are made and upcycled. And then when I was mentoring different people in lockdown, I put a shout out in, um, I think it was Howard Lake that started the group, the COVID fundraisers group. Um, I put a shout out saying, you know, I'm more than happy to mentor people before uh, work during my lunch break and after work to try and help you because I could see that utter panic that was rippling through the fundraising and nonprofit sector. And I started mentoring lots of different people. Uh, I think I, I, in total last year, I did over 500 hours of um, volunteer mentoring. And um, one extraordinary woman came to me um, from the Hug Foundation based in Newquay in Cornwall. Um, her name is also Laura. Uh, so we shared that in common. Um, and we're both fundraisers. And she shared with me that they really needed to think of a way to generate income in the middle of a global pandemic, or at the start of a global pandemic, because of the way that they were funded. And they needed to think of something creative to generate funds. So I said to her, uh, I said, you're going to think I'm absolutely crazy, but you have to hear me out because I think that this could work. And she patiently listened to me say, you're going to start a TV show on Facebook Live every day at 10 and 2 called The Daily Hug. Um, The Hug Foundation are a really cool charity in that they help people with um, PTSD um, and, you know, uh, mental health um, issues get therapy through grooming the horses, stroking the horses and go into the Hook Foundation where they've got ducks and pigs and, you know, rabbits and guinea pigs and all kinds of lovely animals. And she was telling me when I was asking her about her team um, that two of the women that worked at the uh, Hook Foundation with the horses were actually ex-primary school teachers. So I was thinking, we've got all these thousands of millions of um, families at home right now with their kids likely tearing their hair out of their little kids and people that are in flats and apartments with no green space like use what you've got which is the rolling countryside of you know god's country which is cornwall and you've got these beautiful animals and you've got these two women that are primary school teachers or ex-primary school teachers working for you so uh, laura took the leap and i trained her in how to do a facebook live and how to work with her team to bring them along. Because when we were kind of working on this idea and she was telling people about it, I think they thought that we were a bit nuts. But the payoff was incredible. And I said to you, know, Laura, at the time, you know, you're not going to do this to generate income and off the bat from the minute you start doing it. But after four weeks, you're going to start asking for donations on Facebook, through your website, to sponsor an animal, um, whatever it might be that we're going to do. And we put together loads of different ideas and we would have calls, I think maybe two or three times a week. And we were also connected on Facebook. Um, so she would send me messages on Facebook and I would respond after work and try and help out where I could. But the brilliant thing was that they raised a huge amount of publicity, um, and followers through, um, doing Facebook lives 
you know, there was people, like I mentioned with young kids and I'll come on to like some of the kind of takeaways from doing this later on, but they had a huge rise in the amount of followers for a tiny, tiny Nuki based Cornish charity. But then they also raised a significant amount of funds off the back of it. And the best part as somebody that had mentored a huge amount and given a huge amount of my time was that they shared with me that they'd actually been approached by a national mental health charity and being offered the opportunity to be given a grant to continue the daily hug going because they could see the benefit in having so many uh, people watching, you know, green space and animals and making bird feeders out of bottles and yogurt pots and things like that. So that for me as a mentor, you know, having kind of given so much of my time, was a really amazing um, experience to see the direct impact that just given maybe, I don't know, five hours a month or, or more to one person could make. Wow. What a fabulous story, Laura. Uh, and huge congratulations to the other Laura and all of her team for doing. I mean, it's fine in hindsight for us to hear this lovely story. In truth, at the start and many times along the way, these kinds of things are not straightforward. There's that messy middle. There's all, all kinds of things which require courage and problem solving and a leap of faith and so on. So huge congratulations to everyone involved. One thing I really like about it is it chimes with a key principle that I had always been somewhat aware of, but it was best explained to me by a marketing expert called Grant LeBoff. Oh, I love Grant. <laughs> exactly. And um, if I really recommend people check out the work of Grant LeBoff. He's got lots of uh, free films and resources and things uh, you, you can find. I'll put in the episode notes. But a key thing he's always been emphatic about is that uh, 10, 20 years ago, um, you could primarily get donors or customers by what he would call interrupt interruption advertising and or just getting your message out out there but nowadays when everything is democratized to an extent we've all got smartphones and there's so many channels it's not just the bbc and itv that can get someone's attention in this democratized media space he explains it's so essential for a company but also a charity to create content that is in and of itself interesting and um charities that are not trying to proactively create content that is valuable and interesting and meets the needs of people who care about their topic, but who primarily spend most of their time asking for money, they're really unlikely to do well in this modern era. And it's been become more true than ever, I think, during the pandemic. And a fundamental thing, or fundamental element I like about your story is it was about genuinely adding value first mm. to help people during lockdown. And because they did that and they did it um, second point, consistently is not good enough to do one good show and then retire on your laurels because they did it consistently. They built trust, built relationships, and then absolutely a, a percentage of those people who are you know, really grateful and, and becoming really interested and connected to what they do. Uh, hooray, those people also ended up donating. Another element of it I love is, is this sustainable element. They did it so well that that larger organization just saw the value and wanted to, to invest because it was helping the other organization achieve its mission. Hey, it's Rob, and I thought I'd jump in really quickly in case you'd like to get a deeper level of training and coaching support than is possible in these short podcast episodes. 
So a couple of options to think about are firstly, our Brightspot Members Club, which is our training and inspiration site for fundraisers of all disciplines. And secondly, our mastery programs, which are our three flagship half-year programs in corporate or major gifts or individual giving respectively. But rather than have me explain, I thought it would be more helpful if you could hear from a fundraiser who's taken part. This is Pippa Hind-Walsh. I've been a member of Brightspot Members Club for a couple of years now and also attended Rock's Mastery course. It's been amazingly helpful for me all the way through. Uh, had lots of different things to, to juggle um, as I've been going and uh, I was new to, to the role a couple of years ago. So having the Members Club and all the resources on the Members Club there to refer to and to help me and to help my confidence was amazing. It's been it's been a huge source of support for me. You know, sometimes fundraising can be a bit of a lonely world, especially if you work for a small fundraising team. People have different areas of expertise. Uh, having uh, that resource to, to, to go to, to to give you inspiration and to help you out and to grow your confidence is, is huge. Um, but also having that community and the chance to meet other amazing fundraisers who are probably going through the same challenges as you um, and that you can bounce your, your ideas off is, is absolutely key. If you'd like to find out more about either the Brightspot Members Club, the Corporate Mastery Programme, or any of our other training programmes, go to brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. For now though, let's get back to looking at Facebook Lives as Laura shares another example. Yeah, so then um, another example is um, with a few air ambulance um, fundraisers that I mentored. So in lockdown again, I mentored, um, I think three or four air ambulances that were sharing with me that a lot of their fundraising was done through events and people raising funds for them or attending their events and they really needed to raise additional funds. So of course I gave them loads of different ideas um, and we did a lot of kind of like virtual events, um, but we also did fundraising through Facebook live. Um, And again, it goes back to the principle of lifting the curtain on the things that people always ask nonprofits or want to kind of learn about. Um, and it just so happened that my cousin is um, the clinical director for the Welsh Air Ambulance and kind of talking to her over the years about different things that she's done. She's, she's um, her name's Amy Jones. She's an MBE. She's, you know, done everything. She's a senior consultant at Abergavenny Hospital. She's head of clinical team at um, the Welsh Air Ambulance. And she's also a military doctor who served in Afghanistan. So if Amy hasn't seen it, I don't know who has. Um, And at family parties, the thing that my cousin would always get asked is like, tell me about the worst thing that you've seen. Like, you know, uh, normally by my father. Um, And then she'll just like rattle off horrific things that she has seen. Um, And, you know, the faces of my family members kind of drop and think, oh my goodness, here he goes again, that crowd ace chap, uh, asking the questions that none of us want to know the answers to. But, you know, it it was in those moments of family parties where I would kind of listen to the stories of um, my cousin working with the, with the Welsh Air Ambulance and doing the incredible workshop that I kind of started thinking, oh my goodness, you know, more people would love that. So then when I started mentoring um, a couple of people from different air ambulances, I would ask them, you know, what's the thing that you're asked most? Um, and they would be asked, you know, oh, what's it like inside the aircraft? Or, you know, what kinds of things do your doctors do when they arrive on scene? And so I said to them, right, if you're being asked all of this stuff, then do some Facebook lives and do some interviews with your pilots 
how they keep their cool when they're like flying to an accident or whatever it might be and do some really cool tours of the helicopters um, that you fly because most people want to see inside the helicopters and you know that's another thing that my um, family always talk about we've got an Apache pilot in the family and they're always asking my brother-in-law about what it's like inside them we've all been inside them fortunately um but it was this idea of lifting the curtain again. So what is it like inside the helicopter? What do the doctors actually do? What's the day in the life of um, an air ambulance pilot or doctor or um, anaesthetist? Um, and so for those um, organizations that did the Facebook lives, they ended up raising a huge amount of money and then being able to make asks on the Facebook live. And I did a lot of work in lockdown around asking um, the people that I mentored to get their audiences to donate their birthday because none of us could go anywhere. None of us could celebrate. And I did a lot of work with all of the people that I mentored around donating your birthday through Facebook Donate which is a separate thing to live. But um, whilst they're on there, you know, the pilot or the doctor of the air ambulances could say, and if anyone's got their birthday coming up in the next few months, we'd love it if you donated your birthday to us and you got your friends and family to donate collectively 150 pounds because that helps fuel the aircraft or buy whatever, you know, people buy with that um, for the nonprofit. So that was another thing that I saw work really well was kind of um, talking to the actual staff that do the incredible work. Yeah. And I early in lockdown, I was fortunate to have a conversation with a fundraiser who works for Gurkha Welfare Trust. And they had just done their first Facebook Live. And she was just so delighted with how well that had gone, uh, linking people who, who care about that cause uh, because of you know a military past or because they've traveled in that part of the world or for for whatever reason for those people live to be able to connect with, with this fundraiser's colleague based out in that part of the world and I, it, they had wonderful um, numbers of people taking part a key thing she said was it's really interesting how it you know it was warts and all it really it wasn't the most slick you know, piece of communication I've ever been involved in. You know, the, 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 I think the person at the other end was quite nervous and he didn't necessarily get it all perfect. But it was, again, that there's something about this format. People are very forgiving, aren't they, if they can tell it's real. And, yeah, you know, you're not a, a, a comm specialist or a tech specialist. You're, you're someone out there who's really good at helping families on the ground. And you're doing your best during this crisis to tell donors and people who are interested about what's so tough for people on the ground. Um, so yeah. I, I guess that's Absolutely. a really useful thing for us to, to know, isn't it? You've got to change the rules in your head for how perfect things need to be. Absolutely. And it's funny you say this. Somebody else that comes to mind that I also mentored um, is a fantastic woman called Sarah from Yorkshire Cat Rescue. She's the CEO and founder. And Sarah, um, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this, is like um, a more mature woman. Uh, she'd never used Facebook really and she'd never used Facebook live and in the first few Facebook lives she did she had the camera the one wrong way around she was kind of talking 
to the audience as she was trying to figure it out. And then she got in the hang of it. And she, we would, I would joke with her other team members that I used to mentor that she like thrived off doing a Facebook live and talking to the community when they sent questions in and the chat. But the thing that I also loved about Sarah and the way that she, and she still does Facebook lives. So you can definitely go and check out Yorkshire Cat Rescue on um, Facebook, especially if you love cats like me, it really brightened my day in lockdown to see all these cats. But um, she would do everything like warts and all. And so if they had kittens that had been left at the side of the road or in a field in a bag tied up, she wouldn't shy away from telling the truth and the story that those cats or kittens had. And she'd had kittens come in with um, really bad burns and it was going to cost £5,000 a kitten to to save their life, which is a huge amount of money or 3000 or they had cat flu and their eyes were all gunky and sad looking. And she would ask people to donate. And I said to her, before you start a Facebook Live, have a donation link ready and get someone to post it in the chat below. So it's there at the person's fingertips as they're watching you and they can donate. Um, and they raised a huge amount of money through doing Facebook Lives. And they also got a lot of their Amazon wish list fulfilled because they'd have it in the chat also. If people didn't want to give money, they could send cat food or kitten food or whatever it might be to the cat rescue. Brilliant example, Laura. And I'm sensing, therefore, if we were now to move into certain, you know, just some, some punchy key principles or, or top tips to, to help someone who's not done this before, but to, to help them speed up their learning curve. I'm sensing one of them is that if at all possible, having at least one other person on hand worrying about technical things so that it's easier for the person doing the presenting to worry about that side of things. Is that what you advise? And then after that, if you could move on to some other do's and don'ts or lessons you've learned that people might not necessarily guess yeah sure so yeah absolutely um if possible have a colleague that's watching that's connected to you through facebook that they can post um in the chat a donation link or a, a link to your amazon wish list or where, wherever you want to direct people as a call to action um and also if um people are asking questions that you know it might be um something that the person doing the Facebook Live has missed because sometimes the questions can come through so quickly. It's so difficult to see them. So have someone like answering the questions so people feel heard as well. Um, and just as a general rule of, rule of thumb, like have people thanking people as well and saying like, thanks so much for, you know, if somebody says, oh, I'm a donor to um, Lincoln Air Ambulance, um, have people thanking them for being a donor. Um, so that would be definitely one of my tips is have someone on standby to kind of be interacting with the audience. Cause I think that that also then feeds into those people's news feeds as they comment on your video, their friends and family that might not follow your organization. It will be then fed through that Laura Craddis has just commented on, I don't know, Yorkshire Cat Rescue's Facebook live video, and it'll go into your own algorithm and you'll have an even further reach. So that's a really positive piece of advice. I know from mentoring people and doing a lot of these throughout lockdown, it can be really difficult to get the buy-in of your senior leadership team or your board to lift the curtain on your organization. But if ever anyone needs a quote or anything like that, please reach out to me or some of the folks that I've mentored. They can tell you about the return on the investment. Um, I think sometimes people are reluctant to lift the curtain, but it's worthwhile. So reach out to others that have done it and get 
their sound bites to kind of back up your argument for why you want to do this. Um, and then the other thing that I would say as well, there's a few other tips that I would give is it doesn't need to be scripted, as you mentioned, like, you know, the more real and raw it is um, in parts, the more impact it will have. And I think that, you know, people often say to me, actually, when I put out video content, um, oh my goodness, like you're so great at speaking on camera. And I say to them, yeah, but sometimes I literally can't get my words out and even introduce myself properly. And I take like 15 takes, but it looks good when it's edited. And don't be worried about kind of fluffing your words or kind of saying the wrong thing or anything like that. So that is, you know, just around confidence. But also if you have got a real story to tell and you've got the permission of the person to tell uh, that story of, you know, if it's you're working with cancer clients or, um, you know, whatever it might be, tell the real stories, um, but also be mindful that some things can be triggering. So if you are going to tell a triggering story, then you might want to kind of have that in the live um, description. Um, And then the final thing that I think I'd share, which is something that, in lockdown, to have a huge amount of reach um, and to reach a lot of people to start following your organization is with the Hook Foundation, um, there was a lot of lockdown parent groups that sprung up. Um, there was one in particular that had over 10 million members in the space of about two weeks. And what I did was um, for Laura from the Hook Foundation, when they posted a live, because I knew they were going live at 10 and 2, I would share it into those Facebook groups and put, hey, you know, like as a mum with two kids at home, like tune into this live that I'm watching because they're showing you around the farm or they're showing you the tractors or whatever it might be. And then immediately your content is in a group with 10 million people or we would share content into horse groups or air ambulance or or like um not air ambulance um helicopter fanatic groups where you know you've already got a captive audience that's interested in those things and it's not just your own followers that are going to see that get people adding and following different groups that could benefit your organization and this was all by the way like finger in the wind me guessing as I went last year as a mentor and thinking yeah I could get kicked out of Facebook groups like you know I would reach out to the admins of the groups as well if we were going to do something really big if we were going to try and ask people to donate two pounds and we would make sure with the admins that it was okay to ask for donations and then they would love to hear about the work that we're doing and often they would get really bought into this and they would actually write the post for you as the admin that this, you know, um, the Hug Foundation are going to be doing bird feeder making today. Um, and because the admin posts it, it goes further into the algorithm and reaches even more people. So those are some of the tips that I would give. Um, and also if you've got interest in board members or ambassadors, that also makes for really, really good content because, you know, if you've got a celebrity that's one of your ambassadors, then that means that often they've got their own following and you can kind of piggyback on that too. Mm, Brilliant. And one thing I was wondering is in that uh, scenario with the Hug Foundation, they were doing it twice a day. Mm. Um, I have found with, you know, be it YouTube or my own podcast or whatever, there is a lot of power to consistently showing up 
with whatever frequency you've decided on. But if our listeners are thinking, well, it's, I'm stretched already. I, I definitely couldn't couldn't do twice a, a, a day, Laura. I might struggle to do twice a week. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, how long is a piece of string? But what's your experience of what's a, a minimum level of frequency we should try to achieve for, for it to actually build up that uh, traction? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. In lockdown, we were blessed in that we were all at home and we all had like more time to do things that we wouldn't normally do. Like if someone said to me, like, I want you to produce a video a day now, I would kind of freak out. Or if I, they said mentor someone every day, I just wouldn't have the time. Um, so I completely understand that. I think um, consistency is important, but it doesn't have to be on a weekly or monthly set day. I think just kind of... Um, doing as as many as possible um doesn't even have to be long it can be you know um one of the things i used to say actually to hospices doing facebook lives was give one of your team um the kind of site like the um admin rights to your facebook account and at the end of a shift you could have a nurse talking about their day in their car for five minutes And it doesn't have to be the fundraiser or the communications person doing it. It could just be a nurse at the end of her shift where she's gone to loads of different houses, looking after different kids that are patients of a hospice um, and just say like, hi, my name's Laura. I just wanted to give you five minutes insight into what I've done today. Like I've been to visit 10 different families ranging from this to this. Um, We've delivered that we had a lot of hospices delivering food parcels actually for vulnerable families. Um, I've delivered 40 food parcels. I've collected three checks from people that wanted to donate and it just be like short, punchy day in the life of, and that can just be a one page A4 document that you could send to all of your nurses or all of your workers that whatever your organization does to kind of get them into the idea of doing something for you, because it doesn't necessarily have to be, somebody in the communications team that does the live it can just be you know a nurse or um you know a vet if you're a veterinary charity or whatever it might be so i think consistency is important if you're able to do it but if not just doing kind of like a day in the life of five minutes now and again is also really valuable with it with a call to action so you know in order for me as um, a hospice nurse to do what i do it costs 40 pounds in petrol every day because I'm on the road all day and if there's anyone out there that would want to sponsor um, one of the nurses or be a monthly donor then you know all of those donations count to making my work possible so think you know things like that wow Laura I'd, I'd love to talk on and on but just before we wrap up if people want to get in touch with you uh, how, how would they do that via social media or anywhere else sure yeah if people want to reach out to me and have a chat a virtual coffee or talk about mentoring uh, you can do that on LinkedIn um, I do have a Twitter account but I rarely use it because I find it too distracting so reach out to me uh, my name is Laura Crades and I am a LinkedIn addict so reach out to me there Well, Laura, thank you ever so much for making time to chat on the podcast. As always, I've really enjoyed hearing your examples, your advice, your top tips. And I'm sure our listeners will really benefit from those too. And um, I guess to the listener, if you haven't yet done a Facebook Live and you do one for the first time or you're encouraged to do another one, do let Laura and I know. We would love to hear about it. But for now, Laura Crowdace, thank you ever so much. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing Laura's examples and advice. If you did, it would be amazing if you could share it on to your colleagues or social media contacts so that we can get this content to help as many charities as possible in this difficult year. Thank you very much for your help. As always, you can get a full transcript and a summary of the episode on the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. And if you're interested in improving your skills and confidence in major donor fundraising, in individual giving, or in corporate fundraising, then I can tell you that at the time of recording, there are still a few places available in each of our three mastery programs starting this coming autumn. So do find out more at brightspotfundraising.co.uk forward slash services. Laura and I would love to hear what you think about today's episode. We're both on LinkedIn and on Twitter, I am at woods underscore Rob. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing more Bright Spot examples and ideas with you very soon. Mm-hmm.